Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. And Molina hits it out to deep left field. At the wall, gone! Yachty goes deep, Cardinals on top. Molina with home run number 10, 3-1, St. Louis. The 2-2 pitch, swung on and missed. Another breaking ball slowly to the plate. Couldn't hold up, first strikeout for old Uncle Charlie. The 0-2 pitch, he struck him out. That's four strikeouts for Adam Wainwright. 3-2, hit a ton. Into deep left. Did he get enough? At the wall, he did! Into the Dodger bullpen. Tyler O'Neill, number 24. And some insurance late for St. Louis. 3-2 pitch. Gallegos to Taylor. He got him! The Cardinals hold on! And they win it 5-4. Just an entertaining game at the ballpark last night. Now, we know what's on the line for the St. Louis Cardinals. Essentially, they got to win, you know, two out of three, three out of four. They're going to try to get a split today against the Dodgers. But, man, was that an entertaining baseball game. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show on a Thursday. And the Cardinals will play a day game today at 12-15 against Los Angeles. But you had the drama at the end. You had the home run hit by Yadier Molina. And then there's Adam Wainwright. Oh, by the way, there's a guy named Albert Pujols, too. He was in the lineup, normally not facing right-handers, but last night Dave Roberts puts him in. Maybe a hunch to get uh, a shot against Wainwright, maybe for the fans here in St. Louis, whatever the case may be. But it was really cool. And uh, last night you saw two of the Cardinal legends going head-to-head, and that was Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols. Well, I mean, we saw yesterday he can he can still put a charge into a ball. He's, he's having a pretty good year. He's hitting like 240 with 17 homers and, I don't know, 50 or 60 RBIs. He's he's having a sneaky, really good season, and uh, he still can, can hit a ball. You know, that guy can still hit a ball, one of the greatest to ever do it. And so we, we treated him with a lot of respect, which what you have to do. You leave a ball in the middle of the plate, like yesterday, Jay left a ball a little bit too much in the middle of the plate, hit it out, you know, so... And it was down. It was like below the knees, and he still hit it out. So he's just one of the greatest of all time. I'm so glad I got to play with him. But we, we treated him today like he was, you know, like he was uh, the Albert Pujols that we, we grew up watching and playing with. So um, because you still have to treat him that way. And it's game number four today, and you have to wonder, is this the last time that you're going to see Albert Pujols play in a major league game in St. Louis? We'll see uh, when we get to the ballpark, uh, you know, whether or not, uh, he's in the starting lineup. You will probably get a chance to cheer him, whether he goes out to take a position, comes back off the field, or gets a pinch-hitting appearance, whatever the case may be. But today could be it for Albert Pujols uh, in St. Louis. So the Cardinals win it uh, by the final of 5-4 to four last night. And really the story is all about Adam Wainwright, and he should be in the conversation for the Cy Young. I'm not saying that he is the leader in the clubhouse, but he should get some consideration after what he felt was a must-win game last night. Yeah, I thought of today as a must-win game. You know, I just, I did. I just felt like we had to have it. 
Um, we got to get a split from them, in my opinion. We just it was just it was just a must-win game. You know, we had a couple of really tough losses in Milwaukee, and and uh, I think that just kind of carried over a little bit. Today we needed to win bad. We just we just did. You know, it was a big game for us, and hopefully we get a little momentum going forward. How good has he been? He has 15 wins, nearly completed his fourth complete game of the season. First Cardinal pitcher to get. Win number 15 after uh, turning 40 since the late 20s. In his last 10 starts, folks, 72 and two-thirds innings pitched. 15 earned, 57 strikeouts, only 11 walks, only 50 hits. A 1.86 ERA. The guy is 40. He's been remarkable for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he was last night in what was truly a complete team win. Well, I mean, today was a complete team win. I mean, we had a huge game-saving play in the first inning. Great cutoff, great throw from Sos all the way. Great tag by Yachty to get a very fast runner at the plate. Some good defense all around. Nolan and Goldie made great plays today. We got timely hits, you know, a couple of big homers. So, I mean, it wasn't just me today. You know, it was the, the team. The team just showed up today and played a great baseball game against a very good team. So, that's what we got to do tomorrow, too. I got to be honest, there's a few things I wanted to see in the night. Number one, I wanted to see him finish the game. That was number one, which would have been great to see him get that complete game. Uh, did I want to see Albert Pujols maybe come up with the game on the line? He was left on deck after Gallegos got that final out. That would have been high drama, but it didn't happen. So how badly did Wayno want to finish it? So bad. I wanted to finish it bad. Almost did. You know, they, it's not exactly like they were smacking the ball there. They got infield hit and a blooper to right. But that's what tough teams do. You know, they fight and tooth, tooth and nail and, and claw their way back into it, and they just never give up over there. you got to give them a lot of credit. So now it's game four today, 12-15 with the first pitch, 11-30 pregame show on Valley Sports. Coming up, I think it's worth uh, for people to hear in the entirety of the, uh, the visits that they had with the crowd at Cooperstown. Ted Simmons also going into the Hall of Fame was Larry Walker. We're going to play that. Also, you're going to hear from Brian Walton as well. Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac Show on a Thursday rolls on 101 ESPN. Last night we saw it eight and a third, seven hits, four earned, no walks, four strikeouts. Wayno picks up win number 15. Let's bring into the conversation Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And Brian does an amazing job covering the Cardinal minor league system. Uh, also an eye on the major leagues, but uh, Brian focuses on the minor leagues, which is going to be wrapping up. It was pushed back uh, this month to be basically uh, their season wrapping up, coinciding with the major leagues. And, and Brian, I, I want to get into what the the return of Adam Wainwright. So he says he's getting the okay from his family. Um, if he didn't, you know, is there a guy down there that would be potentially, you know, somebody that could come up and pitch next year? So what what do you think the the impact is of Adam Wainwright coming back to St. Louis for another season, potentially next year? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think there's any impact, negative impact of Adam Wainwright returning. You know, it's not as if the guys at AAA have all beat the door down. Rondon pitched well for a while, and then now he's hurt. Um, certainly Matthew Libertor has pitched well, and he'll be in the mix for next year. Zach Thompson's been a disappointment, frankly. Uh, he was asked to take a big step, you know, hasn't been consistent enough. So, you know, with the exception of Libertor, there aren't guys in AAA that are really 
you know, going to be knocking hard on the door next spring. So it's not like Wainwright's going to take some, you know, wonderful prospects job opportunity away. Of course, you know, with the bumps in the road for Alex Reyes. So, you know, I think Adam Wainwright's return is nothing but a positive, a stabilizing force. And it'll be interesting to see. I think the only question now is going to be how much money will the Cardinals offer him? Yadier Molina got a million dollar raise from nine to 10 million. And I certainly think the way that Adam Wainwright pitched this year, uh, he deserves a salary increase. So it'll be up to the DeWitts and, and Mo to figure out, uh, you know, what would be a fair offer and, and hopefully for Adam to take it. As you talk to people around um, minor league baseball, what is it with Libertor that he has to do to, to make that next step outside of the obvious, which is just more seasoning and, you know, a full minor league season. But in terms of his <clears throat> repertoire, what needs to happen for him to take that next step? Frankly, it's just more consistency. And I mean, I, I feel like I'm, you know, Mike Schild on the, on the postgame interview, but you know, his pitches are there. It's just there are times when he's not as consistent. Now, he had an excellent um, August, had an ERA under three, um, pitched last night. Uh, they, Justin Miller, the, the reliever from St. Louis, came down and pitched the first inning. But then Libertor picked it up, went five from there. Gave up ten hits in five innings, which wasn't good necessarily. And he was charged with six runs, where only two of them were earned because of an error, uh, a costly error in left field by Juan Yepes that, that cost him four runs and ultimately the game. So, you know, I, I think Libertor can you – know, there have been a lot of discussions about him. And, you know, he's probably not going to be the next Randy Johnson, okay? He's not going to be maybe a future Hall of Famer. But one scout said to me, well, what if he was Chuck Finley? You know, what if he, you know, what if he could be a left-hander as, as consistent as Chuck Finley was? Not a Hall of Famer, but a great pitcher in a major league for 10, 12 years. Um, uh, you know, finished his career with the Cardinals, as a lot of folks know, but spent a lot of time with Cleveland and the, and the uh, Angels. And, you know, Chuck Finley was a very good pitcher for a long time. So if that could be, you know, if Matthew Libertor could be that, I mean, that would be a guy who, you know, would, would slot into the 2-3 spot in the rotation for a number of years. And I, I think that's a very uh, possible ceiling for him. What, what's been the deal with Zach Thompson? As you mentioned, the ceiling is high. He's a, a former first-round pick out of Kentucky, but it's kind of been a lost year for him. What, what's going on with him? Well, he's just, just been very hittable. And Zach Thompson was asked to make the step up uh, over the double-A, never pitch in double-A, uh, had never pitched in double-A, and just for whatever reason, you know, he wasn't able to pitch deep into games. Uh, had a lot of count, high counts, uh, gave up a lot of hits, and, you know, he looked like he was starting to turn the corner, and then now he's backslid again. And it's just it's been a tough year all around. And I think, you know, he's a guy that I, I wouldn't say we should give up on his career by any stretch of the imagination, but he's going to have to go back to Triple to A next year. And, you know, he'll be a veteran at that point. You know, we, we'll know what to expect from guys who are, uh, you know, a lot of hitters in AAA, of course, have major league experience or guys, you know, that are on the way up. And, you know, I think he'll do better in his second go around there. And I think we'll still see him in St. Louis probably in the second half of next year, not, not early on. Um, but, um, you know, again, it's easy and reasonable to compare Libertor and Thompson, the two left-handers, who both made big jumps. And, you know, Libertor was considered uh, a better prospect, and he's performed better this year. Juan Yepes is a name that's uh, getting a lot of attention by the way that he's finishing up this year and swinging the bat. Give us a little uh, description on where he plays, what he's done, and, and just how well he's finishing up this minor league season. Yeah, Juan Yepes, um, uh, 23-year-old who came to the Cardinals in the Matt Adams trade with Atlanta in uh, 2017, was very young, green then, uh, came up as a third baseman, picked up third, but first base as well. Now the Cardinals have had him playing corner outfield the last couple of years. 
Uh, Yepes started the year at Springfield, uh, played extremely well there, moved up to Memphis, and is playing just as well. So uh, from defensively, as I said, then he plays the corner infield and the corner outfield. Uh, he's a little green in the outfield. I mentioned he made, made an error the other night. Um, but he's a guy who can hit. I mean, he leads the system with 26 home runs, leads the system with 72 RBI in, in 98 games. So, uh, And then he leads the system in OPS at 985. So, you know, this is a young man who's got a bat that is going to play in the major leagues. And certainly, you know, you'd like to have a guy off the bench that has defensive versatility that you could slot in late in games uh, after a double switch or a pinch hit. I'm not sure if he's going to be a major league designated hitter. But, you know, you say, you know, if there's room on the bench, and that's, of course, going to be another challenge, you know, could a Yepes and an Albert Pujols coexist? Well, you know, maybe. But, again, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I, but I do think Yepes will get a chance to earn a spot with the Cardinals next year. Uh, it could be that he'll be in camp competing um, with Nolan Gorman for the spot that Matt Carpenter may give up. Now, Gorman, you know, he's right behind Yepes, 22 home runs, 67 RBI. Uh, between Memphis and Springfield, basically the same two teams. Uh, his OPS is, a, is lower than Yep has, about, around, right around 840, 835, 840. Uh, so still a very, very solid year. And by the way, Nolan Gorman is still just 21 years old. Um, he's played a lot of second base. He's played twice as much at second base than third base this year. So, you know, he's getting plenty of reps at second base. Last time I looked, he only had one error uh, defensively at the position. So he's definitely holding down, uh, you know, the position well. And I, again, Nola Gorman's another guy who's going to come to camp and he's going to have in his mind, um, you know, that, that he can come in and earn a, a major league spot. Not unlike Dylan Carlson did, you know, two years ago. Brian Walton, the Cardinal nation.com. And you mentioned uh, Gorman and, and the transition to second base and a couple of points here. One, he said he's actually enjoyed it. I, I talked to him uh, not too long ago about that, and he said, "I, you know, look forward to it, didn't frown upon the idea of going there, so he's enjoyed it. And it looks like, by all accounts, he's really made the adjustment to AAA pitching. Yes, he has. Uh, like a lot of players, his first month or so, you know, at Memphis, he struggled a little bit, but he's turned it on well. And he, he <clears throat> Yepes and he were the top two contenders for our player of the month. Uh, folks can come to Cardinal Nation and read the article and see all the detailed stats. But the two of them were, you know, right at the top for Player of the Month in August for the entire system. And Gorman might have won the award, except that Yepes just had a, you know, just a tremendous lights out August. So, you know, it's nice to see young power prospects in the system on the cusp of the majors because, as everybody knows, the St. Louis lineup needs more offense and. You know they're probably not going to go out and get a lot of lot of help on the free agent market. Maybe they, you know get one player or something somewhere, but they've got to count on the farm system to step up. And really, the, you know, this year was kind of a, a lull. There have been some guys that have come up that have been tried, but there hasn't really been the difference maker from the minor leagues this season to put a jolt in the lineup. But next year, uh, that looks like it could change. In terms of catching, we know that Yachty is coming back for one more year. How does the system shake out with some of the catching prospects? And, and obviously there's a very good one down there that a lot of people have talked about, but how do you think it shakes out once uh, next year is through? Well, yeah, I don't know if they'll keep Ali San Sanchez on the 40-man roster. You, you know, you, they always like to have a veteran guy at AAA. Um, of course, we've talked a lot about Yvonne Herrera. Uh, his first year in AA started off very slowly. Uh, but there's another catcher, uh, also a, a good prospect, Julio Rodriguez, who had a handmade bone injury, tried to come back too soon, went back on the injured list, and is now playing alongside, you know, sharing the job basically with Herrera at Springfield. And so, 
you know, Julio Rodriguez is also a guy that, uh, you know, we want to continue to keep our eye on. So the good news is the Cardinals have catching depth. They're going to have to decide if they, you know, if they keep Andrew Kisner around as a backup or, or what they do. But, um, you know, there are guys that are, are deep hitters, good defenders who will compete for the job in future years. Boy, the guy I keep hearing about and talking to scouts, talked to another one uh, last night, uh, was about Jordan Walker. I mean, people are just, Brian, raving about this guy, and it's even starting to trickle up to, you know what, Major League Baseball, where these guys are hearing about him. Yeah, Jordan Walker's now uh, appearing on national prospect lists, national top 100 prospect lists. And as a lot of folks know, he began his professional career uh, in Class A, at uh, Palm Beach, played very, very well there, and then, um, you know, had the opportunity to move up to Peoria, high A, again, the first month or so, not so good, but later has come on very well. I think he had five RBI last night. Um, across the two stops, you know, 39 RBI, 10 home runs, and 73 games. But, you know, the other part, I mean, he's a complete player, batting 322. I mean, the guy's obviously known for his power, big guy, uh, just turned 19 years old in June, but he also has stolen 12 bases in 14 attempts. So this is a, this is a guy who's big, but he's also very agile and he's batting 322 on top of it, 920 OPS for the year. Um, and you know, Jordan Walker's a guy that is going to get, I'm sure we'll get a shot at double a next year and those ballparks and what used to be the Texas league. <clears throat> I think he could have an MVP type season next year in double a he's that good. Many thanks to Brian Walton. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Cardinals uh, going into the Hall of Fame, Ted Simmons and Larry Walker. And that'll be next on 101 ESPN. Can't get enough Cards Talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Many thanks to Brian Walton. Lots to get to on this Thursday. A reminder, Cardinal baseball coming up at 1130. Cardinals and Dodgers game four of their series on Valley Sports. Wanted to make sure you had a chance to hear this. Great speeches. Uh, Larry Walker, Derek Jeter. And let's start with Simba. Finally getting his due and headed to the Hall of Fame. I would like to thank the members of the Modern Baseball Era Committee for this great honor. Congratulations to all the other inductees. Thank you, Jane Forbes-Clark, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, for creating this special experience for everyone today. As a youngster in Detroit, Michigan, I was a Tiger fan. I grew up idolizing Norm Cash, Rocky Colavito, Frank Larry, and Bill Freed. It was in that era that I discovered my first hero, Al Kaline. He had no idea how much he impacted my life, or what a role model he became for me. In my youth, K-Line was my hero. As I stand before you as a man, he remains my hero today. There are many roads to Cooperstown. One look at this very special group behind me makes that clear. For some, it comes quickly, and for others, it takes a little time. For those like myself, the path is long. And even though my path fell on the longer side, I would not change a thing. However we get here, however we get here, none of us arrives alone. I'm no exception. 
Gene Charlie Daniels, and Fred Fournier, my earliest coaches, prepared me for the sandlots of Detroit, where every major league prospect in Detroit came to play. Fred Davis and Ray Coles guided me through those four summers in the Detroit Amateur Baseball Federation. Dave Sebring, Freddie Goldberg, and Ed Bryant steered me through junior high school and high school athletically and academically. Athletically, I got all A's. Academically, not so much. But I did well enough that they eagerly passed me into the lap of Moby Benedict, who ushered me into the University of Michigan. Moby was the head baseball coach for the Wolverines. In June of 1967, I signed a professional baseball contract with the St. Louis Cardinals, making myself ineligible to play college baseball. Regardless, three months later, in September of that same year, I began classes in Ann Arbor. Moby Benedict made that happen for me, and I still owe him. My trip to the minors was a fast one. Joe Cunningham, my manager at the A-level, was the first major league hitter to tell me that I would become one myself. I believed him because he had been one himself. Warren Spahn, my AAA manager, was the first Hall of Fame member I was ever around on a regular basis. He was a proud and very confident man. It was George Kissel, the Cardinals' Mr. Everything, who had the greatest impact on me. He taught me fundamental baseball and how to play to win. I also learned from George how to win and lose with grace. He gave me my first taste of humility. Nobody came through the Cardinals organization to St. Louis without Kissel's blessing. Nobody. And his blessing had to be earned. If George Kissel said no, you did not go. I would like to take a moment to take and mention four other men who changed the lives of every player on this stage today by pushing the boundaries of player rights in this game. Kurt Flood, who paid the price for challenging the reserve clause. Catfish Hunter, for showing what would happen if a major league player actually became a free agent. Andy Messersmith, for charting the course to free agency by becoming the first major league player to overcome one and one. And Marvin Miller, who made so much possible for every major league player from my era to the present and the future. I could not be more proud to enter this great hall with this great man. Our game is about wins and losses, but after 50 years of organized baseball, I've learned that it's so much more. Baseball is about all the names and faces that remain firmly planted in one's memory. My major league experience as a player was long, and the rosters of those teams listed many great players. They also listed countless others, not nearly as recognizable, but their faces remain with me just as indelibly. My other baseball life has been on the administrative and player evaluation side. I've been a farm director, 
general manager, and a major league scout. Here I began to see the inner workings of the baseball industry, and a new world was opened up to me. My role on the administrative side of baseball has been just as important to me as my active playing career. I've worked with men like Dal Maxville, John Sheerholz, John Hart, Kevin Towers, and Jack Zorincic, all brilliant baseball men, and I've learned much from each of them. A quick special mention here for Peter Vukovic and Bruce Suter, the two baseball men I trust the most with what I know. We have seen much. As a talent evaluator and scout, I patterned myself after Bill Brick, Gordy Lakey, Chris Wynn, George Zura, Bobby Schaefer, and Charlie Kerfeld, all no-nonsense types, always willing to put their neck on the line for a player that they liked. It was on this non-playing side of my baseball career that I saw how huge Major League Baseball had become and realized how lucky I have been to have spent my entire working life in the game that I love. For those of you who are concerned that our game has changed, it has. Strikeout, walk, homers today is pretty much what you get. But our game can change back, and eventually another George Brett will surface. He'll hit 360. He'll homer 40 times. He'll drive in 160 runs. He'll strike out 75 times. He'll walk 100 times. His on-base percentage will be 420. Our game is fluid. Hitters will begin to beat the defensive shifts, and the pendulum will swing back. The game evolves. It's just a matter of time. Briefly, I would like to talk about advocates. While I've had many advocates in my lifetime, Robin Yount pushed really hard for my Hall of Fame candidacy. Bud Selig convinced myself and others that my candidacy was legitimate, and if elected, it would be for the good of the game. When the St. Louis Cardinals selected me first in the June 1967 draft, they brought me into their historic and very successful baseball family. The Milwaukee Brewers became my second baseball family. They embraced me and immediately made me one of their own. Next came the Atlanta Braves, followed by the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cleveland Indians, San Diego Padres, and the Seattle Mariners. I have spent lots of time in all of these baseball families, and they have affirmed and included me. So I have lived within many families and am about to step into baseball's most elite family. And I am incredibly humbled. <laughs> to close, a few short words about my real family those who've been with me the longest and loved me the most. Tony Guerrero, John LaSala, and Steve Horn, thank you. John Hamm, thank you for bringing your mother and father along. It was so nice to fi finally meet her and to see your father again. Russell and Rick, thanks to you and your loved ones, 
for coming and bringing Marge, David, and Russ with you. Nina and Ned, thanks also to you and yours for showing Bill, Bonnie Sue, and Bopper all around this remarkable place. John and Matthew Simmons, Haley, Vanessa, Mina, Dylan, Nari, and Madeline, you are all my very own. And of course, Marianne, my partner, my companion, my equal. She remains the same girl that listened with me not so long ago to the lyrics written by some pretty fabulous folks back in the day. And those words, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Peace and love, sweetheart. We finally got here. Thank you all. Great speech by Ted Simmons. Now it had a, a cardinal flavor. Obviously, a lot of the focus was on Derek Jeter going into the Hall of Fame, but Ted Simmons was great, and so was Larry Walker. Well, I was told today would be the day it would become reality and sink in. And from sleep, not sleeping last night to my nervousness right now, it's reality. And for making it real, I say thank you to all the writers who put that check mark by my name. Heck, even those of you that didn't, your jobs are not easy. And thank you to the Hall of Fame, Jane, Whitney, Shesta, Tim, Jeff, and Josh, and all the Hall of Fame staff. You've all been a joy to be around, and it made me feel so very welcome. And to the amazing people of Cooperstown, I thank you very much for your hospitality. I also believe social media provided my Hall of Fame candidacy a big push. To each of you who helped share my accomplishments, I'm thankful you were in my corner. I am Canadian. A couple of years ago, I fell short in the voting. And I don't do much on social media, but I did one of those hashtag things on Twitter. And it read, Fergie needs a friend. I was, of course, referring to Ferguson Jenkins who was the only Canadian in Cooperstown. Today, I finally get to join Fergie as the second Canadian in the Hall of Fame and the first Canadian position player. Fergie, it's an honor. I always be grateful that the Montreal Expos took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity to play baseball professionally. To all the Expo fans and people of Montreal, it was a great honor to put on the Expo uniform and represent my home country. I enjoyed many years in Montreal, none of them as good as that 1994 team. We all lost out that year from the work stoppage, and nobody knows what would have happened that year, but I still imagine what it would have been like to bring a World Series to Quebec. To the fans hoping for their team to return to Montreal, I join you in hoping before long that Major League Baseball returns to your beautiful city. In 1993, the Expos were in Denver when the Rockies hosted their first home games. Even as a visiting player, I never forgot what it felt like to be in a ballpark surrounded by 85,000 people. The scenery of Denver nestled in the mountains reminded me of where I grew up in Maple Ridge. So as the 94 Expos team slowly dispersed, in some way it felt natural to find my way to another great team in the Colorado Rockies. I feel privileged that I'm here right now in Cooperstown representing the Rockies franchise and their fans. I thank the Monfort and McMorris families for bringing me to Denver and the GM at the time, Bob Gebhardt, for ironing out all, all the details. 
I had 10 great years wearing the CR on my cap, perhaps none better than the first, 1995, when we won the first wild card. What an incredible way to be introduced to the fans of the Rockies. I thank the Rockies fans for always showing your support, and I hope real soon that that ticker tape parade comes rolling down Blake Street. And finally, the St. Louis Cardinals. I, I only spent a little over a year in your uniform, but you made me feel like it was many, many more. It was a thrill every time I wore the birds on the bat jersey and every time I took the field in front of that sea of red. Thank you, Cardinal Nation, for welcoming me into your family. To my Major League Managers, Buck Rogers, Felipe Alou, Tom Runnels, Don Baylor, Clint Hurdle, Buddy Bell, Jim Leland, and Hall of Famer Tony Larusa, I thank you for putting my name in the lineup. You and every one of your coaching staffs made me a better player. I'm always asked who was your favorite teammate. An impossible question to answer as I've had so many I enjoyed and so many others that had a big impact on me. Thanks to all my teammates, both in the majors and the minors. I learned a lot from you and from watching my opponents too, both what to do and what not to do. But I do want to give a shout out to a few guys who took me in during my rookie days in 1989 with the Expos. Tom Foley, Spike Owen, Mike Fitzgerald, Dave Martinez, and especially Tim Wallach. They all welcomed me into the fraternity of being a major leaguer and made the transition from the minors to the majors smooth and easy. I was very grateful for that. I had the same agents my entire career, and I thank the speakers of Sport Agency, Bob Guhuli, Jim Bronner, Bob Greenwald, Pete Smith, one guy by me the entire journey, Pat Rooney. Pat has since retired, and now Barry Meister has the honor of putting up with me. And to my family, my three brothers and their families, you're all going to be here for this occasion, and it would have been a long overdue family reunion. But unfortunately, COVID-19 took that away from most of you. I hope we can have that reunion real soon, and I thank all of you for your love and support throughout the years. To mom and dad, I am the youngest of four boys, and I think it's safe to say neither one of you have it, had it easy in raising us, especially those other three clowns. You supported all of us in our sporting adventures, hockey, softball, volleyball, baseball, football, bowling, whatever it was, you always allowed us to give it a go. Looking back, I don't even mind that I got the hand-me-down equipment after the other three wore it out. School was a struggle for me, but I always felt supported by you both, even when I didn't come home with a report card full of A's or B's. Or C's. There's D's and F's, I realize that. And when Bob Rogers from the Expos came into town and offered me a contract to play pro ball for $1,500 U.S., you simply said go for it allowed me to hop in my Pathfinder and drive across North America from Maple Ridge to Florida and give it a try. That 1500 was about two grand Canadian at the time and I felt like I just won the lottery. But when life in the minor leagues was difficult, you always did your best to float me a little money. It meant a lot. You were both always there giving your support and love. I swear sometimes I looked up the stands during a game, you two looked way more nervous than I was on the field. You were always into every second of every game. And knowing you were following along helped me enjoy my career so much more. I thank and love you both. To Krista and Angela, you gave me amazing children. I am a proud da daddy because of you both. Broxton, Kanan, and Shayna. 
It's hard to believe how time flies and how old you all are now. It seems like just yesterday when dirty diapers were stinking up the house and toys were laying around just waiting to be stepped on. All great memories, of course. You guys can't cry. <laughs> it was always hard coming home after a tough loss or when I didn't play well. But starting when Broxton ended the world in 1993 to my final game in 05, those feelings would always disappear once I saw any of you three. I'm so proud to call all three of you my children. Happiness and love fills my heart every single day because of you guys. A couple other important people. My best friend Chris, from our early days in the Expos organization to today, you've always had my back. And my girlfriend Donna. Life after baseball has been anything but boring. Thank you for being part of this incredible journey. Plus, you keep me on the right track, eating right and staying healthy. Otherwise, I wouldn't be fitting into this suit, trust me. And of course, thank you, Canada, for all your support I've received throughout the years from my home country. I share this honor with every Canadian, and I hope that all you Canadian kids out there that have dreams of playing in the big leagues, that see me here today, gives you another reason to go after those dreams. To my adopted home, the United States, I thank you for allowing this Canadian kid to come into your country to live and play your great pastime. I think we're all very fortunate to have two pretty amazing countries side by side. There are too many others to mention, but I'm very hopeful that you all know who you are and know that I'm very grateful for your love, support, and friendship over the years. To the entire class of 2020, it's taken a little longer to get here and reach this day, but it has been a complete honor to share it with all of you. I will finish by saying I've never considered myself a Hall of Famer at anything, not a thing. I honestly see myself as an average guy, and I'm good with average. I've lived my life trying to never get too high and never get too low. But to stand on this stage right now and tell you that I'm feeling average would be a complete lie. My feet have not touched the ground all day. And I'll say this again, this honor really doesn't happen without every single one of my teammates. It doesn't happen without any of them. And in my eyes, every one of your names are on that plaque as well. I am truly honored, humbled, to be part of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And it is a privilege to be part of this family right here. Thank you all so much. Once again, congratulations to Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, Derek Jeter, and Marvin Miller headed to uh, Cooperstown and into Cooperstown in Baseball's Hall of Fame. Around the Major Leagues will go in just a moment. Cramming more St. Louis sports talk into your brain. It's the Danny Mac Show with PK on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac show on a Thursday. We go around Major League Baseball, and again, the Cardinals coming up at 11.30 on Bally Sports. The Padres, they jumped out to an 8-0 lead in the bottom of the second. On the ground, picks hit into right field. Hosmer scores from third. Here comes Myers. Two more runs. Padres lead at 7-0. Frazier has driven in three in the inning with his second hit. They would beat the Angels 8-5. to five. So if it ended today, L.A. and San Diego would be the wild card in the National League. The Cardinals get a little help from our buddies in Chicago. The scoreboard! 
circles the bases. A long, loud ending to this one. Number eight, crushed by Hayward. And the Cubs win. Jason Hayward walk-off homer against the Reds. Cincinnati won back in the wild card. Brewers, well, they're helping out the Cardinals, too. Oh, Escobar sends one deep to right. And the Brewers will take the lead on a bomb by Escobar. Eduardo Escobar sends Bernie down the slide, and it's 4-3 Milwaukee. That would be the final, so they beat the Phillies. Phillies three back in the wild card. And finally, what about the Mets? That was out to center field. Almora going back, still going back. This one is off the wall, and Brian Dela Cruz brings home the game-winning run. It's a Marlins walk-off win. Marlins beat the Mets 2-1. to one. So the wild card, L.A. San Diego in. Cincinnati one back. They'll be in town tomorrow. Philly three back. Cardinals three and a half. The Mets four and a half. That does it for the show for Brian Walton. Also the speech at Cooperstown and our buddy Tanner. Hey, thanks for being with us. I'm Danny Mack. We'll talk to you tomorrow on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.